Howdy, howdy do who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 234. Yeah. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different too. Anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now. For this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be... The great curator. <laughs> I could retire. Yeah. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Catchy old theme, isn't it? That <laughs> catchy old theme, that one. Yeah. Hello, Who fans. I hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. Yes. Who are you then? Hello, my name is Adam. I'm a Doctor <laughs> Who fan. <laughs> Doctor Who fan. YouTuber. And today, Matthew, I'm going to be a Doctor <laughs> Who fan. <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. Missed you last week. Cheers, man. I listened in just to check what you were saying about me. And uh, yeah, good pod. Well done for going solo. Yay me. Mm, no, I did. Yeah. I had to listen. I was, I was on my lunch break at work. I thought I'll just tune in, see what he's see what he's got to say. Yo, bugger. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was particularly like the bit about the new Dalek, uh, Evil of the Daleks vinyl. When you were saying, oh, I expect Adam will be buying that. I was sat there nodding. Yes, yes, yeah. I'll be buying it. Yes. <laughs> can't, actually can't wait to get that. It looks lovely. It does look awesome, doesn't it? It does look nice. And yeah. I was can totally sympathise with you for not knowing how many versions there are of it because... I couldn't make head nor tail of it either. They keep blimmin' changing it. They keep changing the description. They keep changing the catalogue number. I was like, when they finally decided what is what, I'm going to pre-order it. But at the minute, it keeps it's all over the blimmin' shop. <laughs> it is, mate, yeah. And I was trying to make some sense of it when yeah, I was uh, well, uh, talking about it last week. But yeah, I just... I, yeah, and it's changed. Like you said, it's changed since then as well. So, I, you know, the, the people that were listening last week were like, oh, sweet, I'll go and have a look. But... They've gone on there on Amazon and it's completely different again. So, 
Yeah, Who I knows? think they finally got it sorted because at one point, so the catalog numbers they've switched round because they'd got them the wrong way round, I think, because there's two versions. Um, and then, so the one with the splatter, they originally said it got a TARDIS etching on it, and now they've changed it. Actually, it's the other one that's got the TARDIS etching. Um, the splatter one's got a, a Dalek Emperor etching, I think. And I was like, well, that's actually good because mm. I, I think that's the one I'm going to go for. So, yeah, I think there's been a little bit of, um, I think they probably rushed out the. <laughs> rushed out the release uh, in terms of the news and they didn't yes. quite get all their facts together. But anyway, I think it's all there now for anyone that wants to order it, um, like myself. But yeah, when when you were when you were talking through it last week on the merch section, I could totally sympathize with you being a bit lost because it was a bit of a it, it was, was a bit confusing. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. It was um and I was also thinking, well why because you know normal with the Amazon exclusives yeah, and they're normally pretty good. You can normally jump on there, and all the information's not too unless it's like a really far out pre-order. Those ones sometimes you get like these odd situations where the price goes up and down, and then the, the mm. release date shuffles, and then you get an email to say the the item that you've ordered is not going to be in stock, and all that stuff. Yeah, but this is not too far away. This is what July. Yes, that's right. Yeah, just in time for my birthday. Just if you're listening, <laughs> mum and dad. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's weird. It's weird that it's um that it's jumping all over the place, and we're relatively close to. Mm. So, anyways, it's um it's a wonderful set. And how much was it again? It was sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah. I think it's not too bad. A little bit pricey, but not not too bad. I think it's four vinyls, isn't it? So, yeah. But yeah. I just love the artwork, and I really want to know who the artist is. Um. If anyone out there knows, I've sort of done a little search on Twitter, but I haven't managed to find out yet. But I do really like that style. Um, mm. It looks to me like it's the same person who did the Record Store Day exclusives this year. You know, we've got um, Destiny and Galaxy 4. It's a sort of retro style, and I really do like the artwork. So, yeah, I'd like to know who it is that does that. I think it's mm. a really good a really good look. Yeah, I was also intrigued to hear your thoughts on Random Shoes as well, because... Um, as you heard, I was quite surprised how much I enjoyed it. It was a slow burner, for sure. I mean, it did drag in places. I agreed with your review. Um, obviously, I, I enjoyed it a bit more than you. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening <laughs> to it. I knew it would yeah. be one that you'd either think, like me, oh, that was, was better than I thought, or it'll be one that you'd find really boring, because it, it is slow, to be sure. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, I think if, I, if I'd been in a different mood, I think I would have felt like you. If you know what I mean, I think I just was in the right mood for it. Um, I, I actually thought it was quite enjoyable. But yeah, I was listening to your review and I thought, yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from. If I'd have been in a, a different mood, I would have found that a real slog because it was definitely a much slower pace of Torchwood than we've had so far in Series 1. But what did you score it? 6.5, wasn't it? Something uh, like that. I gave it, yeah, 6.5. I think you I, gave I, it a 7, didn't you? 7, yeah. Well, I thought from what you'd said in the review, I thought he's going to be around a 4 or 5 on this. He's going to be cruel. But no, I was quite surprised when you come in with 6.5. But mm. yeah, it wasn't bad. But it's not, when, it's not one I'll go to very often. You know what I mean? It's not one that I'm going to get the box set. I think, yeah, random shoes. But every now and again, I might just feel like watching that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the Love same. And Monsters. Yeah. It's a bit of a marmite. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got my dry throat. Sorry. A bit of a marmite story, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's absolutely one of those where it's got, like most stories throughout Doctor Who and Tortured and whatever, it's got a fantastic concept. Yeah. It's just very unoriginal. It, you know, the way that it was executed was just, I found it quite... It was it, about 10 minutes. It needed about, it sort of ran out of steam about 
10 minutes towards yeah. the end. I mean, it all kicked off, but it felt like it was dragging a little 10 minutes towards the end. And it, yeah, it just didn't quite have enough story to, to fill that 50 minutes, I don't think. But it was a good concept. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, it was. And I think if they'd have, I think if they'd have just thrown a curveball or something in there, just something to take you away from that, oh, we've seen all this before. Yeah. You know, a, a ghost walking around that can communicate with one particular person or mm. or tries to and you know if they'd have just thrown something in there like jack absolutely flipping out about something yeah he was hardly in it was he <laughs> and and i agree with the a lot of the listeners pointed out there were a lot of unanswered questions when if you sort of think about the story i mean i didn't think too much about it at the time uh, i think it's because the trailer looked so bad to me i was just expecting it to be a really filler episode and I thought well actually the story is pretty good but um I agree with a lot of the comments we got back on it that there were if you go back and watch it there was a lot like well how does that work you know why is the eye doing this and why can Gwen's yeah. only yeah. see it there was a lot in there that mm-hmm. didn't get explained but that could have been filled out in that sort of 10 minutes sort of where it lagged and stuff I think but yeah it was it wasn't too bad yeah certainly better than I was expecting <laughs> we we continue to power through Yes, exactly. (laughs) Coming up in today's show, we're extremely light on news and merch again. Mm. So we've got one bit of news to talk through and then we're straight into our review of the 11th Doctor two-parter. The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. Yes. From Series 5. Yeah, Series 5. Do you know, I nearly watched the wrong episode. (laughs) I don't know why. So did I. I I think I'm going to... Really? What... Yeah, I, I almost watched the Amy and Rory one in, in New York. Well, that's more feasible. Same as I, can, oh. I can see why you do that. No, I don't know why. I think ever since, <laughs> for weeks now, I've been thinking, uh, knew this two-part was coming up, and I was like, in my head, and I've absolutely no idea why, I'd got the Silurian two-parter in my head from Series 5. I don't oh. even know what it's called. The Hungry Earth. and So I, was kept, thinking, yeah. I kept thinking in my head, oh, yeah, we've got that boring... Solarian episodes, two part coming up. Oh dear! And then, and then I went to get the series five box out, and it literally wasn't until I went to put it in, I was like, "What was the title of the ones we're doing again?" I was thinking, "Flesh and Stone." That's not. So I, I went, I had to go back, I had to open my computer and go back on the schedule to look, <laughs> and I was like, "Flesh and Stone and Return of the." Uh, what am I doing? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was literally so close to watching the wrong thing. Um, I don't know why I just got that, that two-parter stuck in my head for weeks that that's what we were doing, which we haven't done yet, I don't think. So um, we will get round to that, and uh, mm. hopefully it will be better than I remember because I was kind of wasn't really particularly looking forward to watching that one. But, yes, be interested to see if we agree on our thoughts on, on this one. The on Weeping Angel story, the right story. The right one, yeah. yeah. What is it called? Time of the Angels and Flesh and, Flesh and Stone, Stone, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, the Time of the Angels, yeah. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I had it in my head that it was the the Rory, the, you know, when the one where Rory and Amy get zapped by the angels. Yes, yeah. But for some reason, I thought it was that one because I watched these on Netflix, actually, and I was zipping around series six and seven thinking, where is it? And then I found <laughs> that one and I was like, is that the one? I don't think. Let me just double check. I had to go and double check that it wasn't the right one. And there's like, oh, it's series five. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's been good to go back to series five because, uh, and this particular two-parter, um, like a lot of 
episode to review is one that I haven't watched for quite some time. So it was, um, yeah, it was good to go back to this one and reassess it because didn't remember a lot about it. I had little moments like Amy with the stuff in her eye, and but that was it. I really couldn't remember much about the story at all. So yeah, it was certainly an interesting watch. Mm, yeah. Mm. <sighs> but now that we've identified that we are reviewing the correct <laughs> stories, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shall we uh, land the TARDIS and get through this bit of sad news? Oh, yes, we should. hate doing sad news. It really is a sucker I punch in the, in the news, especially as we have no other news or merch to go through. It's horrible. But Stephen Thorne, uh, who was who played a few characters back in the classic years, has sadly passed away. He left us at the age of 84. And Stephen played uh, some quite memorable characters, actually. So in the Pertwee story, The Daemons, uh, he played Azal, you know, the big... Mm. Uh, the big demon character. Yeah, the devil-like yes. creature, yeah. Yeah, played that one, and then went on to play Omega uh, in The uh, in the Three Doctors, mm. as we would know from his big, you know, the big booming voice that, that we know from Omega, uh, and then on, went on to play um, Eldred uh, in The Hand of Fear, or the male version of Eldred mm. in The Hand of Fear. So, yeah, it's a... A, a significant character from some of the classic who years and uh, like i said really sad i hate just having to go through news where where someone's left us but a really good legacy from from classic who there's i can only think of a a, a few other actors who have played multiple uh, villains or monsters in in the classic years uh, so Stephen had a had, had some 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 good stories actually especially the damons as a crack in it is a cracker. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's a good, three good characters there. And I'd completely forgotten that he played um, the male Eldred in Hand of Fear. I mean, three really good stories, actually, uh, to be involved with. Yeah, he did He did some, lots of other work as well. When these Z cars, they've all been in of Z course. cars, haven't they? Yeah. Everybody's been in yeah. Crossroads, remember that? I don't do, remember him in Crossroads. Do, do, no. Do, do, do. no, I don't remember him in it. Um, David Copperfield, Last of the Summer Wine. Yeah, so he's yeah, good. Um, he's got a good back catalogue behind him. I did. I met him a couple of. I think it was either last year or could even be the year before. I'm not can't quite remember now. But I met him at one of the Phantom events, and I got him to sign a picture of Omega and a picture of Azal. And uh, I remember saying to him, you know, two iconic characters from two great stories, you know. Uh, so I was really pleased because it was great to get those two pictures signed. He, I didn't. He was a man of few words. I didn't get much from him. He kind of acknowledged it, but he was very pleasant. You know, he sort of acknowledged that uh, I was a fan of those stories. So yeah, two. Well, three really good stories to be involved with. Yeah, because Hand of Fear is a good one yeah. as well. Yeah. And uh, our listeners will know if they've listened to the show over the years that I'm a huge fan of the the old original BBC radio drama, The Lord of the Rings, and he played oh. uh, Treebeard in that. A very very good performance as Treebeard. So that was the first thing when I posted this on uh, on the Geeks Handbag Facebook. That was the first comment I got was that to me he'll always be Treebeard from the mm. Lord of the Rings audience. Yeah, yeah, he's very Which, very good. Yeah. yeah. So sad news. Stephen Stephen Thorne leaves us at eighty four. Yeah. Uh, we have no other news or merch. There, there there's a couple of little merchy things knocking around, but to be honest, there's it's not really of any 
great value, I don't think, uh, or any worth. It's we, we have a constant flow of little things that go out, like the little figurines from the magazine uh, subscription mm. thing. And But other than that, there's just not really anything that's jumping out. Very, very nothing, quiet. Yeah. Nothing new. I Yeah, there's nothing new coming out. I, I've had a, I've had quite a good week merch-wise myself, actually. Um, so I got a couple of really nice bits. I got a couple, uh, the Tenth Doctor Volume 3 from Big Finish arrived the other day. You know, I got the limited book version. Did you get oh, that? Oh, yeah. No, I, no, I didn't get that one. No. Oh, I thought you did because no. I thought you normally got those um, those ones. I normally do, yeah. I haven't got that one, though. All right. Well, I got that. That's arrived. Um, because I've been working all the time, I haven't had a chance to listen to a single second of it yet. Oh. But it's really nice. I have to say the package is lovely. They've done, like, these storyboards inside the booklet. And okay. um, there's some June Hudson uh, designs as well inside. It's a really nice... Um, set actually so i am looking forward to hopefully finding some time to listen to it because <laughs> i'm really looking forward to hearing um bernie cribbins back as wilf because i love wilf uh, and also um a friend of mine picked me up the asda exclusive vinyl you know which was uh, this big finished vinyl that was given to asda uh, the creeping death i think you described it as bogey green oh yeah the, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you remember the bogey green one yeah, yeah well a friend of mine very kindly got that for me um and i'm pleased he did because i was working and there isn't really an asda near me there was a couple i could have tried to have got to which probably would take me about an hour um to get to right so i was thinking do i risk it oh i don't know um and then, yeah, a friend said, look, I, I can get you one if you want. So I was like, oh, yes, please. And I think it was £15. So I said, oh, that's reasonable. But I'm glad he did because within 40 minutes of it being on sale, there were about 10 to 15 on eBay going for absolutely ludicrous prices. Um, I think the cheapest one I saw that morning was about 68 quid, And I was just, it, yeah, it just I, it really drives me crackers these people that just go around buy them all up so that no one can actually get their hands on them and then just put them on ebay and it's um i know it happens all the time and it's not a lot we can do about it but it's so frustrating to see so thank you to my friend will uh for getting me that because i was really chuffed and it is a very vivid green i actually opened it and had a look at it and it's um <laughs> it's nice but man yeah it's a very it's as the green i suppose you could call it Yes, um, and, the, and, and not and the bogey green that I had not, described it as. <laughs> no, it didn't say that on the cover, funny enough. It didn't, <laughs> didn't describe it as bogey green. Uh, so I got that. And then the only other thing I got uh, literally a couple of days ago was the Series 4 Steelbook uh, with the Dr. Donna uh, oh, cover. Oh, God, yeah. Yep. And I'll tell you what, it really is nice, actually. It really is nice. It's one of those that um, when you get it in hand, it, it looked lovely because it was a beautiful sunny day as well. And I went and sat, I went and bought it I went and sat on a bench and um was having my lunch and I was just sort of was looking at it gleaning in the sun and I tell you <laughs> it's lovely it, I, I've got to say I'm really sorry to bash the artist but series three just looks so pale so much in comparison when you put the four steelbooks together because series one and two look gorgeous you've got series three in the middle just looks dull as anything and then you've got series four which is beautiful and it's a shame because I really like series three but um yeah, it really is nice. Really, really nice steel book. Yes, yeah. So I've had quite a good. I've had quite a good week actually with Doctor Merch. Spent a blimmin' fortune. Of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but it's been worth it because I've got <laughs> some really nice things. I've been, now I've been quite good. I've been like you said, a bit selective recently. I've, I mean, they are three things I really, really wanted. You know, I could have bought a lot more. Trust me. <laughs> so three really nice things that I've picked up in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I think that's the story too 
our lives, essentially, is there's always more that you can go and buy. And oh, there's always away. more. I mean, I, I missed out on the Omega Harrop um, because they sold out mega quick. They you do. Know? Yeah. I, I really wanted one of those. But again, I was like, I think it was 65 quid. Um, and I was just thinking, well, you know, I haven't got my first wage in from a new job yet. It should be good. I'll, I'll get him when I get paid. And I think he sold out literally within a day or two. Yeah, so yeah, That's so crazy. yeah, there's always more. There's always more. <laughs> there is always more. And speaking of more, we should probably get on to our review. We should. Yes. So you're back in the chair. Yes. What have we got this week, buddy? So this week, Matt Smith two parter from his first season, series five, and it is called The Time of the Angel oh well, The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. She's here. You might want to find something to hang on to. Follow that ship. Doctor, what do you know of the weeping angels? The time will be upon us. The time of angels. Doctor! Just keep looking at it. Don't stop looking. Doctor. What's it going to do to me? There's one thing you never put in a trap if you're smart, if you value your continued existence. If you have any plans about seeing tomorrow, there's one thing you never, ever put in a trap. And what would that be, sir? Me. What would that be, sir? What a great cliffhanger that is. Yeah. I love it. The cliffhangers are essential in any multi-part story, aren't they? Let's be honest. uh, I've, I'd forgotten about that cliffhanger as well. And it was like, God, oh, that is so good. The tension really ramps up in those last few minutes. I remember as well when this first aired and they put that blimmin' a, a banner come up at the bottom to advertise Graham Norton or something and completely ruined the mood. <laughs> and I do remember that. As I was, It's really funny watching this again the other night because I was like, oh, you almost wait for it to pop up at the bottom of the screen. Um, there were thousands of complaints about that back then, you know loads oh yeah for, even, even from celebrities i think like charlie brooker and um oh, i can't remember who else actually would were like tweeting about it at the time it was a big thing because it totally killed the mood of that absolutely superb speech <laughs> that the doctor's given yeah just coming up next on bbc one it's, it's like, what what are you doing bbc <laughs> <laughs> the bloody anyway. baby it doesn't surprise you does it yeah i know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah five over five thousand complaints that got i'm just reading it online now it's on wiki yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a yeah buzzkill that thing. Anyway, it's not on the DVD, so you can enjoy it as it should be. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So, the time of angels and flesh and stone. They were first broadcast back in uh, April and the first of May, twenty ten. They were written by the Mothball, and they sure, were yeah. directed by Adam Smith, and stars Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, plus a relatively small supporting cast. Uh, the Gumpf is roughly uh, River Song has contacted the doctor because she needs his help because they need to track down a weeping angel that has escaped from a space ship and has made its way back to the very unsettling maze of the dead. Mm-hmm. And so they have to go and retrieve said angel because I think they want to use it for some kind of military purpose. I think. That's their reasoning for capturing it. And yeah, they find out that that singular angel is not the case. There's lots and lots of uh, 
of other angels and um and amy gets uh, a little bit uh, a little bit roughed up she gets in harm's way a wee bit but Ooh. yes so our two-parter then from mr matt smith what do you reckon to this one so i i really enjoyed this one actually i thought it was a good good two-parter um there's so much about it that I'd forgotten because uh, it's been so long since I watched it. It was, um, yeah, it was a, I really enjoyed watching it. It was a fun watch. I, I don't think it quite hit the heights that it could have done. Like when it finished, I thought it was good, but I, I didn't think it it quite reached, you know, its potential. You know, I, I felt, I don't know, it did feel a slightly underwhelming when it actually finished. Um, and I particularly didn't like the very last scene with Amy. I thought that was just so misplaced and it, that kind of took the edge off for me to be honest i really didn't like the end scene where she was trying to seduce the doctor it was just very uncomfortable um but that aside take that off um and everything else uh, yeah i thought this is a, a decent two-parter and i didn't remember thinking it was anything amazing at the time because i know i was quite excited about the weeping angels coming back and and stuff like that um and obviously you've got river in there as well so there's quite a lot in there i think i was a bit underwhelmed when i first watched this back in 2010 so yeah okay. but re-watching it again the other night i watched it back to back both episodes um I, I found it a really enjoyable watch on the most part i thought it was good because there's some really good creepy moments in it um and i thought the weeping angels are used quite well in it as well because uh, that was the thing i they are a great creation the weeping angels but in a way they're quite limited in what you can do with them i think you know because because of the nature of of the fact you know they only move when you're sort of um not staring at them and stuff so i i think it was a good yeah i think they were used quite well in this creepy setting in this one so yeah it gets a thumbs up from me both parts gets a thumbs up yeah what do you reckon nice yeah i'm gonna give it a thumbs up too yeah cool yeah i think this is a great little two-parter really mm. and although it's not uh I think you're right, absolutely, yeah, with the Weeping Angels. There's the, you've got limited scope on what you can do with them because they they have a finite threat, don't they? It's um, Yeah. Uh, and I think they did expand on that a little bit with because the, they, they invented this thing that if anything has the image of an angel, it becomes an angel. So they, they, they expanded right. it a little bit, didn't they, where mm. they, they had the, the, the monitor on a, a loop and then that becomes an angel because it's an image of it. So they did expand it a little bit. But other than that, there's not a great deal you can do because otherwise you start to mess with the the core thing that made them so scary in the first place. Mm. So I think it's great that they... It was almost like they lured them into a trap, didn't they? So this maze of the dead where you've got all of these uh, statues from the from the, the people that inhabited this area you know, long time ago. Uh, so it, it, the the twist is very cool that they all they're all angels aren't they yeah it's not just one of them so that was good as well so that coupled with the just the inherent scariness of the weeping angels is because they are truly fearful monsters from modern doctor who oh they're they're yeah. a fantastic creation yeah. yeah they really are a great monster i think yeah so mm-hmm. when, when you have that along with matt smith's brilliant performance um and uh, we'll come on to River Song uh, uh, in a little while, but uh, yeah, okay, I just, sweetie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and also the, the the clever concept outside of the Weeping Angels as well for the story was really cool. So the the museum at the beginning that the Doctor finds the oh um, that was nice, yeah. Uh, what was it the 
that cube the cube thing that's got the message river song burned in it yeah i I liked that beginning i thought it was a really great um pre-title sequence that of her being chased and the doctor trying to find that cube it's a really good start actually yeah it's a flight record wasn't it from the byzantanium that's it Twelve thousand years before and then he finds it and then she (laughs) he catches her and so on so it's got some great little moments in it as well and some and, and and the suspense and the the fear factor ramps up as well in in episode two, Flesh and Stone, where mm. Amy can't open her eyes and she, you know she has to make her way through the the maze to the ship with her eyes closed and yeah, so it's just got all of the it's got some great elements in there that make it a really a, a really good watch actually, and it's been ages since I've since I've watched it. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, same. I haven't watched it for a long time. It was a real uh, yeah. I I just. I was going to say a real treat, but I said that about last week's story, but it really did. I really thought, um, yeah, I'm glad I went back to this one. Uh, it does feel like a Stephen Moffat script, but mm. it's before he got sort of, um, I think before he tried to overcomplicate stuff, because there are good twists in this and there's some great ideas in his script. Um, you know, and he does flip things on its head a little, a couple of times in it, but it does, it never goes quite into the realm of, um, Moffat madness if you like like some of <laughs> yeah. his stories it, it kind of it's just enough you know um I thought it was a good script from him I love the fact he mixes things up a bit in it like you said about the bit on the screen the angel being caught in Amy's eye I thought was a fantastically creepy idea you know the fact that the angel's reflection is in a retina in that scene and her hand turning to stone and the the bit where she rubs her eye and dust comes out, it's, it's really good, creepy stuff. And, um, you know, you got to hand it to the mothball. When, he, when, he's, when he's firing on all cylinders, <laughs> I think he gets a lot of stuff right. When he's just reins it in a bit. The mothball, um, I love it. He can, he, can, <laughs> he can produce some really great stuff. And I think this is a reminder of some of the great stuff that, you know, we, we, uh, you, know you, can boff, you can bash Moffat for some of the stuff he did, but... When he was good, he was good. And I, I, yeah, it's a very good two-parter, I think. There's some really good stuff in it. The angels are used really well, I think, in this. They're very creepy. There's some good jump moments, really some really good jump moments. The bit on the screen's great, I think, because I was thinking, what's going on? Like, what is that? How's it coming out of the screen? And it's explained quite well. It's it's plausible. So, yeah, I, I think there's, I think it all kind of comes together and works. Yes, it does. And I like that they carried over some elements from the previous appearance so in the episode blink in the tenant era Mm. they used some real similar uh, camera shots some poses for the angels and also those little music cues as well like those little quick string like yeah you know you know when it's yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah Yeah. so i'm glad that they've that they carried over some of that and because that's what made blink so good from from uh, the point of view of the angel or the angels Mm. in it and because uh, you had those little jump scares, didn't you? And those little, those little poses, and they've replicated them pretty much um, exactly as they were before. So you've got this really nice level of consistency that runs through. Because sometimes they do change, they they change the playing field a little bit, don't they? Especially with the Cybermen, we've seen lots of changes over oh, the yeah. years of of those things changing and evolving and. Being... To, to me, it feels like a good follow-on from Blink mm. it, uh, because of a lot of what you just said. It, it it does feel like a nice sort of second instalment of the week Weeping Angels, if you like. Uh, yes, yeah, because yeah. of that, it just it does. Yeah, it just flows very nicely from that. You know, from our first time that we saw them, if you like. I, actually, I want to ask you: How do you feel 
about the fact that there is, I think, one or two scenes where we do actually see the angels slightly moving, which we never saw in Blink. We never saw them actually. There's a bit where one of them twists its head, and we never before have actually seen them moving. We We see them jump to another position, but we've never seen them actually physically turning their head or hands before. And I know a lot of fans don't like it. They feel it was, you know, just feel we didn't need to see it. it was creepier when they just appeared and were in a. But I've got to say, I might be in the minority, but I really love that scene. Uh, well, once I really love it, actually, that's an exaggeration, but I like it. I like that there's just one scene, I think, where we see the angel slightly turn to look at Amy because I think it's so creepy. And it just, it kind of brings them a bit more to life, in my view. It just shows that actually when you're not looking, that's what they're doing. But I think we only see it once, which I think is just enough. It's like it's just to let you know that this is what you normally don't see. It's like one shot. So I I actually really like that they did that. But I know a lot of fans are not so keen on it. But I just yeah, wonder what you yeah. thought, whether you think it was some bit unnecessary or, or do you agree with me that it's quite cool just to have that one shot? Yeah, I think they just about got away with it because mm. they only did it in that one scene. Yes, and you wouldn't want it more. I think that's yeah, the thing. It's yeah. just that one chance to just see what an angel's doing when you're not looking. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. that one ch- opportunity, because I think it's only one shot. I might be wrong, it might be two, but yeah, it's just enough just to say, look, when you're not looking, this is what it's doing, but we never see it again, and it should never be seen again. But I like the fact it's in there. Yeah, it's cool. It, it, and yeah. it's also... Because one of the things that makes that kind of thing, and it's not just unique to Doctor Who, but any kind of sci-fi or horror stuff, really, that I think sometimes your imagination has to fill in the gap sometimes and oh, make, yes. make things either scarier or less scarier, depending on how you you look at it. So the fact that they threw that in there, it, I don't, I wouldn't say that it breaks the mystery. It doesn't. It's not strong enough that you don't see the angel sort of picking up their skirts and legging around yeah. and <laughs> and sitting down playing cards and stuff. So it doesn't shatter the mystique too much because it's really, along with it just being in that one scene, it's also really subtle as well. Yes. So you just see one of them twist their head and the other one move around slightly and their arm moves and stuff. And I think it's, I, I, I love it. I, I think it's one of those tiny little insights that, that, it's almost like a little sweetener. Like in the future, if they ever do another Weeping Angel story, mm. maybe they would provide a bit more backstory or some insight into that a little bit more and tease you a little bit more about what they do when you're not looking at them. So yeah, I, I know fans that don't like it at all, but I, I quite like it. I think it's cool that you got a little tiny snapshot, I think it is. Yeah. And then exactly. that's it. It just cuts you off and then you're like, oh, okay, so that's all they're going to show us. So I agree with you. No, it's, it's very cool. And, it, and I am right in saying they are people in those Weeping Angels suits. Aren't they? I don't, well, I don't know if it's some and some. Is it? Are some static props and some people? Because I know I've watched making ofs, you know, ages ago, and I remember seeing someone getting made up as a Weeping Angel. And I'm thinking, so I think certainly for some of those angels, there is a person inside there. And my word, they managed to stay still. Because the bit that really made me jump is when the angel grabs Bishop and it suddenly got his arm around his neck. You know that scene? And the doctor's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. That scene, so good. But I think that's a that's got to be a person in a, in a suit. And it's, A, the makeup's incredible. Like the actual costume. It just looks so 
good <laughs> but it's got to be a person in there and i'm sure i've seen people getting made up as we weeping angels in like when we used to get good old confidential and all that sort of thing oh yeah um but i don't know if they're all people or if some of them are like a, a static prop and the others one or two of them are people that can move and i'm not sure but it yeah. works well whatever they're doing it it's really you can't tell it really does look good the, the angels themselves really look good yeah, they look the, the makeup is bang on as well. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm just looking on wiki to see if anyone's credited as an angel. <laughs> uh, no, do you know not, what? I, I did read that somewhere. I, I read, I'm sure it's yeah. a person in a suit in at least yeah. one or two of them. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've read I've read it somewhere before. Maybe when we were doing Blink. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Uh, but no, there's, there's definitely a couple of scenes where there's a, an actress. In the makeup, yeah. And she's, but isn't that yeah. cool when he grabs Bishop? Mm-hmm. What a that scene! And the Doctor's just well, he's just it's it's one of those rare moments where the Doctor has to accept defeat, isn't it? He can't. There is no way to save that guy, and it's right in front of his face. It's a, you know, it's brutal, but it's it's also a, a great. I mean, you know, a great scene for the Doctor because he just, yeah, we don't see the Doctor that helpless very often, mm-hmm. but he has to let him go, sort of thing. Yeah. Good stuff. Again, I, the more I think about the story, there are so many moments in it I really like, yeah. like that. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good, good creepy moments. And it's also, um, it, it's also, it doesn't feel. You know, we've mentioned quite a few times before that when the moth took over, because when RTD was running the show, there were some some larger story arcs that were in place mm. across some of it. So we had the the bad wolf thing and then we had the the doctor dying across series four and stuff and the 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 ood and you know all that kind of thing that was there was like a running theme like the four knocks and and all that stuff but we've mentioned a few times that when the moth has tried to do that it just felt really heavy and it felt quite so when as you got sort of two-thirds of the way through a series or even halfway through especially series seven or series six or seven it just felt like you not that you couldn't enjoy the individual episodes, but you were constantly thinking, right, when's the big arc gun stuff going to come in? and how- When's it going to get a conclusion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this one, although it's kind of early days, we're, well, this is what, the fourth or fifth episode into series five. Mm. It's It's got that intrigue to it that was really cool for the early Matt Smith stuff. You know the big hole, the crack in the wall, you know that? Yeah. You know, yes. there's that concept that's appeared throughout series five. In this one, it plays a relatively big part in the story, but it doesn't it does. feel it doesn't feel like oh god, we have to sit through a, a bunch of this stuff that we're going to have to sit through in all the other episodes now mm. until we find the conclusion. It actually feels like I don't know. The, I think the moth wrote these early ones really well in that the mystique is good, you know the 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 intrigue about what what is this, you know, and the Doctor's very shy about saying exactly what it is. He doesn't want to mm. tell them at this stage that because he kind of alludes to what it is he's sort of blanket statement oh it's the end of the universe or something like that or yeah you know but he doesn't go into any detail even when he's pressed on it because amy's going on and on <laughs> you know that's the crack in the in my wall from home yeah. and all that stuff and uh but the, it, it kind of it's a bit like that scene we mentioned with the weeping angels and you see them moving you, you kind of you want to investigate that a bit more and you want to dig into it and like I said, the early stuff, these sort of halfway or two thirds through series five, 
I, I, I don't actually mind the moth bringing those wider arcs in because especially in this story that it does add quite a bit to the the flow of the story and it's a good mechanism for it and it also doesn't it, it doesn't collapse under its own importance though yes that's right yeah yeah series five definitely feels more plotted um in terms of it seems more structured mm-hmm. definitely and the more we watch series five i tell you the more i really do like it and you're quite right the arc is there and it you it does play a big part in this and amazingly i'd forgotten you know that the this you know the crack reappears in this i was like oh my god yeah it's quite a big thing in this one um but it doesn't really matter if you haven't seen the other episodes because um, we get a little flashback of the Doctor going along the wall and it's just enough to let you know mm-hmm. what's going on. So, yeah, I think Series 5 is pretty well plotted. I think the moth was quite good uh, in this series. But I think it's Series 6, I think, is the one where he maybe got a little bit too ambitious and I think that's it certainly lost me at the time. Um it's yeah so i think but in this one it seems a bit more structured mm-hmm. it feels like he's got more of a plan of where he's going with it uh, and it's certainly a bit easier to follow i think yeah um, no, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it just feels more structured um mm-hmm. series 5 somehow yes. like you said even though it, we get episodes like this one where you've got big important arcs coming into it it doesn't detract from just enjoying it as a, as a two-parter. Whereas I think something like the astronaut one, astronaut, astronaut, <laughs> astronaut <laughs> one, you know, the one on the beach where the doctor's being shot and yes. there's like, yep. there's loads of stuff going on in that two-parter. And I, it's, but I still find that quite a confusing story, if you know what I mean. So I think, yeah, he kind of had it, he was a bit more restraint i think in this i think it seems like he had a, a good overall plan of what he wanted to do with series five and he pretty much stuck to it that's how it feels anyway yeah, yeah. no you can you can tell for sure yeah yeah i want to throw a question to you though yeah go on sure while we're talking about the old angels yeah the lonely assassins <laughs> in the episode blink the way that the doctor defeats the angels is by having them group around the TARDIS and then when he dematerializes they're all looking at each other yes so they're all uh sort of in a petrified state because they're all looking at each other as we go through the maze of the dead all of the random statues that are littered throughout the corridors and everything they're all looking at each other Mm. in some respect so they're all grouped together and some of them are looking at each other some of them aren't so would that not then suggest that the ones that are looking at each other can't actually move because they're yeah, you know, that, that was the whole that was the whole point of the end of Blink is to get them to look at each other so they couldn't That's move. Right. So in this yeah. one though, there's quite a few times where they're all looking at it, each other. That is a very good point. Something I hadn't even noticed because that's the thing. It's such a good that is such a good twist at the end of Blink. The way the Doctor defeats them, it's a great ending because mm. you're like, oh, that's really clever. That's brilliant. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me in this, and I think you're absolutely right. I'm sure the mothball's got an answer for you out there somewhere because <laughs> he's he's pretty good, as we both know, having seen him in interviews. He's pretty good of at finding answers for things when put on the spot. So I'm sure he's got an answer for it, but I don't have one. That's a really good point, actually. That would have yeah. been another bottle of wine hoyed at the wall when someone quizzed <laughs> yeah, him on his script. Are. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought about it at all, but um, yeah, it's true. There's loads of bits where they're grouped together and stuff. So yes, I don't know. Don't know if any. Maybe one of our listeners can come up with an answer to that one because I don't know. There may be a theory in there somewhere, mm. but yeah, I'm not sure. 
Not sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one of the things I did love about this, and I bet you're the same. Angel Bob. Angel Bob. Loved yep. Angel Bob. What a great, again, another just just brilliant bit of script writing from Stephen Moffat. Angel Bob. Yeah. It was it, superb. A, good, a great idea. And really creepy when, it, it's, for the first few minutes, you think Bob's still alive, like the Doctor, and then the Doctor's like, but how are you talking to me? And it, when, he, when you realise it's an angel using him to communicate, it's a, it's a great, creepy, creepy concept. I thought, and it and it also adds a bit of humour. It's 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 so good when you get something as clever as that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's funny because of the way the Doctor interacts with Angel Bob, but it's also horrific what's happened to Angel Bob. So again, a really great piece of uh, writing from them off there. I thought. Yeah, it's it's actually quite haunting in a way. It is, yeah, because there's no. Uh, the the character Angel Bob, there's no um, there's no fear in his voice. You know, in, in a lot of death scenes and a lot of just in general television and film, when someone's about to die or they're dying, there's always this element of uh, fear and upset and and all the rest of it. But the way that that Angel Bob's talking to him, it's there's no change in his voice at all. Like when the Doctor spoke to him before he went off. Yeah, he sounds exactly the same, and it's like uh, they do explain it. I think it's didn't they say that it's his conscious, it's his memory or his consciousness has been saved within the system of the That's... comms or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember the exact details, but uh, but because of that, his voice is exactly the same. And when you get that little reveal, like again, I don't know the exact wording, but I'm 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 dead, Doctor, or something like. It's like hold on a minute. Holy crap! Bob's dead. Angel Bob, what's going on? Yeah, it's like no, emo- it's like almost like no emotion or in his voice. It's just telling you quite sort of matter of fact, isn't it? Everything he says. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's- and you see that that's the good thing as well because very often in stories, and this happens sort of more later on in in you know as we get into se- you know series eight and nine and ten, it's very often we get characters that we didn't really care about. You know, like when they get killed, you're like, well, we didn't really get to know them and it doesn't affect you. You kind of feel for Angel Bob, um, even though we only get to meet him briefly. And the reason, and again, it's back to the writing. The reason we care about him is because there's that one little scene where he's getting a right old rollicking (laughs) and the doctor goes over and comforts him and basically puts old, um, what's he he called? The Sergeant Major? Bishop sort of puts bishop in his place doesn't he because bishop's having to go at bob mm-hmm. and i think we we've, we've probably all been there at some point where someone's you know putting us in our place and but the doctor goes in and says um don't worry about being scared bob scared's good it keeps you keeps you running or something doesn't he That's so it. you yeah, so yeah. you immediately warm to bob because a he's been told off and it's something that's happened to all of us so you sort of empathize with him and b the doctor kind of gives him that little boost he needed after that telling off so just in that tiny little scene, we've got to like Bob, you see, and we care about him, which is why when he does get killed, it has an impact. Whereas I feel quite often in other stories, you know, and this actually this is in television as a whole and films, we get introduced to characters, but we we don't really get to know them. So when they do die, we do, it doesn't really have any impact, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because, it, you know, we get characters thrown at us left, right and center. It's like, well, pff, who's who's that sort of thing? Um, so it's good. Again, it's just a great little piece of writing that we get to like Bob, but then he's killed off pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But he remains in the story, so you know you empathise with him all the way through, really. Absolutely. Even though he's yeah. even though he's kind of 
turn evil for part two but he's not really evil you know is it yeah it works really really well i think yeah it does and it's um yeah i just love those and the way that the doctor handles that as well it's kind of antithesis to how so angel bob is like there's no emotion there's no change in his voice and the doctor's exactly the same mm. so when the doctor's communicating back with him when he finds out when 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 bob says they've killed me as well snap my neck or something like that uh, the doctor's tone doesn't change either. So he still carries on talking to him in exactly the same way as before. Yes. So yeah. it's all a bit haunting, really. It's quite... Because you can tell in the the other uh, the, the other clerics, I think they're called, they look quite concerned because they're looking around and they're obviously, you know, crapping their pants about what's going on. Um, but the doctor just is quite even throughout that bit. He's mm. He's got that remain calm sort of Britishness about him. Mm. Uh, throughout most of the story it's only towards the end really that he flips out a little bit doesn't he when he's shouting at river oh he shouts a river yeah oh man he lets it finally all those little digs that they've given him over the episode finally explode at the end don't they mm. yeah so you can I tell what, sorry yeah go sorry. no go on i was gonna say you can tell that he's he's worried for amy a few times yeah so you can tell he's got con- there's concern in his some of his some of the scenes where he's trying to talk amy through what to do when she's trapped in that uh, room at the beginning and then when she mm. has to go through the forest and stuff but other than that he's fairly he's fairly like bang on sort of calm you know the doctor throughout. Um, you mentioned before we started recording that you were amazed that this is Matt Smith's first recorded story a, as the doctor I'm astonished this was the first story recorded as the doctor because it feels to me like he's absolutely firing on all cylinders it seems like it doesn't I'm not there is no point in this two-parter where I was thinking, uh, yeah, you can see Matt hasn't quite found his doctor yet or, oh, Matt's not quite in character there yet. To me, he was fantastic in this episode. Um, I, I'm genuinely shocked to find out that this was the first one he recorded. He must have got that script. You can tell he clearly loves it because he's just so into the story. And he's totally, he's totally the lead man in it. He is such a good lead in this story, the humor he deals with brilliantly, like all the little bits at the start with river, like when she's teasing him about the TARDIS landing and he's like, but it hasn't made the noise. And all the bits that are funny made me laugh. All the bits where he's serious, like when he shouts at river, I'm doing it. You know, it's, it's <laughs> the, his acting is fantastic in it. Yeah. He is just such a good lead in the story. I, I don't, but I just don't know how he hit the floor running like that. I just, you know, normally, you know, even the best doctors just need to find their doctor. So to 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 think that he just went straight into this two-parter and gives a performance like that, I honestly find it incredible because I, I genuinely, and I didn't know this until this morning when I read it on the thing, I genuinely thought he was fantastic in this story. I, I just love Matt's doctor so much. I really do love him as the doctor. I think he's he's brilliant, but particularly good in this story. Yeah, I, I just wanted to yeah. ask you as well, while I remember, because I know I forget. Did you notice the scene when, so Amy's can't open her eyes, she's in the forest. And then there's a bit where the doctor goes off, but then he comes back to comfort her, saying you've got to learn to trust me or something. But he's, it's after he's lost his jacket. So the angel has got his jacket in its hand. because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But when he comes back to see Amy, he's wearing it. And then later he's not wearing it. So you, at the time, I think we all thought it was a continuity error. 
but it wasn't because I think it turns out and someone will have to help me out here because I haven't watched <laughs> series five or whatever it is for quite some time, but it was all part of the moths grand idea. I think, I hope I'm right in saying this because I just, I genuinely can't remember, but it, I, I'm pretty, I'm 99.9% sure it's not a continuity error. It's the doctor from the future coming back to, to comfort her or something. Um, but I just wondered if you noticed that scene where he's, he's lost his jacket but then he comes back to see amy and he's wearing it but then in the next scene he's not wearing it because obviously he hasn't got his jacket anymore because the weeping angel's holding it so i don't know i I can't remember what the thing is behind it but i just thought i love stuff like that because at the time you'll just be watching it thinking oh they've messed up there look he's wearing his jacket again but it wasn't it's it's all part of the moth's great big grand scheme of things so i love the fact that that's a that's a detail that we've got in there I really hope I'm right saying that and it's not just a bad continuity error because <laughs> I can't remember w- what that doctor's meant to be or where he's from. But anyway, I just wondered if you spotted the jacket because it is a, for want of a better phrase, blink and you'll miss it moment. Hold on. So the, doc- the doctor gets captured uh, briefly by the angels and they're holding him by his jacket. Yeah, and he wriggles out of his jacket and the angel's left holding his jacket. So he's just in his shirt and braces for the rest of the episode. But there is one tiny little scene when he goes back to comfort Amy. He's saying something like, you've got to learn to trust me. But he's wearing his jacket. And I think at the time everyone was like, it's a continuity error, but it's not. It's he's it's it does. I'm sure I can't remember the story. It does come into play. It comes into play later on probably at the end of series five or something, probably something to do with the Pandorica. I can't remember, <laughs> but I just saying, I love that moment. And I wondered if you spotted it because it honestly, it's a blink and you'll miss it moment. So if you didn't, then I wouldn't be surprised because I only know, because I remember looking out for it at the time. I think, I think I know what you mean. Next time you watch it, look out for it. And hopefully by the next time you watch it, I'll be able to give you the answer to why it's there. I'm sure someone listening will, will fill us in. Somebody out there will know. I, th- I think I know what you mean. So what you're saying is the Doctor, in that particular time period, loses his jacket to the angels and goes off and carries on the story. But then when yeah. we next see him and Amy together, he's got his jacket back on. But it's not that Doctor from that time stream. He's from the future. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He literally, he sort of wanders off and then he literally, he pops back as if he's just sort of remembered something. He pops back and just has a few words comfort and then he's gone again. But it's, um, I'm I'm sure it's the doctor from a different time or something. It Hmm. it comes into play later. (laughs) But I just, I'm I'm sure I'm right in saying that. And I just like the fact that, again, comes back to the Moffat plotting series five well, because I'm sure it's 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 supposed to be there. Somebody will know. Don't worry. Somebody listening will comment. They'll let us know. Some one of our listeners will be on the ball. Don't worry. We will find answers. <laughs> uh, do you know what? This has got my mind ticking over now because. Oh no! I thought. See, I thought. Oh, I thought you might know. I I, 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 I know of it. Oh, it's the Big Bang. Is it? The, epi- the episode, The Big Bang. Yes. So at the end of um, at th- that story, The Big Bang, the Doctor starts to go back in time uh, to see Amy at various points a- across her own time stream. 
There you that, go. That's one of the yes. I, I knew it go. was something to do. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I hadn't even that hadn't even crossed my mind when I was watch when I rewatched this. Yeah, it didn't even enter my. I didn't even notice that he wasn't that he was wearing the jacket again. I completely glossed over. Yeah. Well, next time you watch it, look out for it. Because I, I don't know why. I just loved. I knew roughly where that scene was, and I so I specifically looked out for it because I, I think if I wasn't looking for it. You'd never notice it in a million years because it's quite a close-up shot as well. It's not like you see a full shot of him in the jacket. It's a close-up. So you can only really see the shoulder pads, if you know what I mean, which is why it's not that obvious. But I, I love the fact that they went into that much effort to you know, to put that detail in. I think it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. So you, you're almost correct, mate, with the, the Pandora. Yeah. Correct. But yeah, it's the, the, the episode the after that. Bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, there you go. Cool. Yeah, yes, glad, yeah. good. Glad I'm not going bonkers no you're not yeah because when you first said it just then i was like huh yeah and then when you said about the doctor going back or from the future to go and cut yeah i was like yeah that definitely rings i bet you there's but, a massive section of the listeners screaming big bang big it's the big <laughs> bang <laughs> but it's i haven't watched series five yeah me either. for, for yeah. some time and actually because we've done a few episodes from it you know uh, recently ish um I, I i just want to go back and watch it from start to finish actually because i think i think it's going to be a really rewarding series actually series five i've always liked it but I'm, i seem to be getting a even bigger appreciation for it than i had before i think the more i rewatch it uh, yeah me too yeah mm. i think series five is a cracking mm. series of doctor of doctor who certainly yeah so mm. Oh yeah, I'm glad we we got to that because <laughs> we got to that. Yeah, initially drive me mad. So yeah, in the um, yeah the big bang, he, he goes back and I think he goes back in time another once or twice after that, and sees Amy when she's little in the back yeah, garden and stuff like that. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, well, we're talking about Amy. I just want to say as well, I I was a bit worried when this story started. I was a bit worried that she seemed a bit of a loose part. I was a bit like because Rivers in it and Rivers quite a strong character, and I, and I personally think there's some great chemistry between Matt's Doctor and River because this is their first story together isn't it I think they haven't met before this have they they can't have a series five no yeah. so it's the first time they're together and I, I honestly think um Matt Smith and Alex Kingston have really good chemistry I love all the little jokes between them and I don't even mind the flirty stuff to be honest because I don't think it goes uh, overboard like it did with dude. um what dude the very the end of the episode though when they're back no, in well, Amy's we'll, We'll we'll get to that. Oh right, yeah. right. Maybe not that bit, but <laughs> but I, I'm I'm talking sort of about the the banter. All oh, the banter, yeah. The, the banter. Yeah. I like the bants. Mm -hmm. I think the bants between Eleven and River is really good. Like the Tardis not making the noise and all that sort of stuff. I think it's some good bants, not the flirty <laughs> stuff. Yeah, let's yeah. be clear. Um, so I did worry about Amy's character. Uh, in the first sort of ten minutes, I was thinking, gosh, she just seems like a lost. She's just following the Doctor around. I hope they're going to give Amy something to do because. Yeah, she just seems a bit like the third wheel in this. You know, she just, for the first 10 minutes, is following the Doctor around, asking questions and getting a bit annoyed. And I want to see a planet. And I was thinking, oh, she's starting to annoy me. So I'm really pleased that as soon as the uh, angel appeared on the screen, pretty much from that point on in the story, Amy becomes quite important to it. And I think all the stuff of having the angel trapped in her eye and all that is, is fantastic. I'm just so glad that it went down that direction because I don't know about you, but I thought she felt like a spare wheel for the first 10 minutes. I was like, oh dear, Amy's not going to be very good in this story. And she turns out to be really good in this story. I thought, yes, no, I agree. She, um, to, to me, the, the, 
the opening and the ending for her are not great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I mean, that last five minutes, it really does. Oh, God. It, it, to the point that it makes me cross, and it, it almost reminds me of, what was that really... There was a story with Clara that did the same thing. I was like, oh, finally we get a good story with Clara. And then there was a dreadful tacked on ending with the kids. It's, it reminds me of that. It's just like you nearly, you were doing so well. And then you just, in the last five minutes, threw it out the window. But, oh, that ending. Yeah. It's, it's almost, yeah. it is. And also it's the Moffat being just, I think, just a little bit close to the knuckle <laughs> as well. Because there's a scene when the doctor says, Something like, come on, I've got to get you in here, in here and sort you out. Or something. She says, well, that's what I've been on about. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like uh, that's just the Moffat in, indulging in a bit too much uh, of his own. You know, I, I genuinely <laughs> was just oh, that ending just made me cross. To be honest, I hated it. It just seems a bit OTT as well. It doesn't fit at all. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just didn't like it. No, it's yeah. a bit uncomfortable to watch as it's well. It's very uncomfortable. It kind of hits you in the face as well because she's not really been like it throughout the entire episode. That's what I mean. It's like, yeah, yeah. where does it all come from? I mean, and we know that she fancies the Doctor, but it, it puts Amy in a bad light as well because you just said as well, she's so good in the majority, sort of the, the middle and second half of this story. You know, like when the soldiers are going into the light, she's like, where are you going? And all that. She's brilliant in mm. all those scenes. And then you kind of get this horrible tax on ending where she's trying to seduce the doctor. And it just makes her look awful as a character because she's like, oh, I'm getting married in the morning, but I want to sleep with you. And it's like, oh, great. Oh, that's, you know, that's good, isn't it? And it just really shows in a bad light after all the good stuff that just happened before. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I almost I think if I was to watch it again, I'd probably switch off just before this because it, it genuinely does, you know, mar what i think is a good two-parter yeah takes the edge off no it does it kind of hits you in the face it's like oh whoa 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 whoa. and if you want even more cringe you can watch this you can watch like an extra scene after on the dvd it's got the option to watch the story with an extra scene i think it might have been for children in need or something which follows directly on have you watched that no don't watch it. Oh, it is awful. It's the Doctor and Amy in the TARDIS directly follows directly on oh, from right. them going yeah, yeah. in, and yeah. she's just trying to. Oh, it's 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 oh, it's horrible. It's just horrible. I, I, it should should have been cut, deleted, and burnt. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's one of those subjects, isn't it? That it it come it it stems from the whole Rose and the Doctor thing, doesn't it? From way back to two thousand and five, where people were either in two minds about whether there should be a romantic interest mm. between the doctor and a companion or whether it should just be like, no, no, that's, we don't go there. There's, there's never a romantic um, link or connection in some way, but they've, they've always explored it. Haven't they? They've always dipped into it, but yeah. sometimes if it's, if it's like uber subtle, then you can sort of roll your eyes and go past it. Like, yeah, okay. But when it's like this direct and in your face, it can, yeah. it can feel a little bit. I, I just feel it, it's really uncomfortable. I don't know what. I just don't see the need. I don't know. And like you said, some of the language is it's not explicit, but it's like close to the knuckle. The it's in, close to the insinuation knuckle, yeah. of what you know she she means and stuff. And mm. yeah, I read you, man. But other other than yeah. that, though, she's like the opening bit. She seems a bit bratty, but that's only for a few minutes. But then, like the middle yeah. part, she's she's really good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, 
we we know that she likes the doctor and I'm all for her looking up to the doctor and perhaps, you know, finding him attractive. Cause I suppose if you're traveling around and experiencing all these things together, you would expect, expect some sort of bond, mm. you know, and even an attraction. Fair enough. But I think in this scene, it just takes <laughs> it to that next level and it's going down the whole, almost like Rose thing, isn't it? And yeah, it is very just, yeah, I just didn't find it very comfortable viewing and it was a shame after enjoying it so much just to have that tacked on at the end. Mm. But, yeah. yeah. Yes. Should we um, rattle through? Actually, are any more scenes that you want to mention, or anything from the story that caught your caught your eye? Um. No, I don't think so. I'm just looking at my list, really. No, I, I don't think there's anything. Anything else? No. I, the only other thing I got written down was uh, oh, Amy's countdown. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea. That was a good creepy idea for her. Oh yeah. Because she does it really, really well, doesn't she? She just keeps throwing in random, <laughs> just keeps throwing in the random countdown. And I thought the way she did it, it you know, it probably seems really simple, but to actually act it like she did, it's quite hard because she's got to, she's got to be speaking like I am now and then go four, and then talking a little bit more three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was it was creepy it was done really really well and then i was sort of thinking what's, what's going on what's what is the countdown and again another little great little idea from the moth he, he's he is good at coming up with concepts and ideas when he's when he's uh <laughs> not had too much of the vino <laughs> <laughs> well if you think about it i suppose it kind of makes sense because one of the one of the things that we've always said about the moth is that when he wasn't showrunner he writes fantastic Doctor Who. And mm. it kind of makes sense a little bit because this is right at the beginning when he hasn't really worn his showrunner shoes in yet. This is mm. like the very first batch of stuff, if you like. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. He's, he's, he's at that early part of his career as a showrunner and hasn't really um, bought into the idea that we need these huge arcs yet. He's, he's kind of throwing these things in. So when he's not thinking too much about how do I link series six and seven together with this bit of dialogue and that bit and all that stuff Mm. he's actually focusing on the really cool little story elements that make them that that make those these episodes really good to watch because there's the the three things for me that really that are really good from the moth's brain is the uh what you just mentioned those creepy little moments like with angel bob on the on the communicator and, and and amy doing those the countdown and also the little the little bit in the when she's rubbing her eye and like a bit of yes. you know just those little creepy bits that he that he's put in there. Uh, the second thing is the the although there are elements in here from the wider universe of Doctor Who, you don't need to have watched it all to understand what's going on really. So the River Song thing mm-hmm. and also the crack in the wall, like we said, you don't need to be an expert on on modern Doctor Who to know exactly what that stuff's about. It seems like, yeah, exactly. And it does seem like a pretty tight script in this. I'm thinking other creepy bits as well. When she's got a hand, Amy can't move because she's got a stone hand yeah. and the doctor's like, but you haven't Amy, you know, and it, that all worked really, really well. Now I'm thinking in this one to, to finally get her to let go and to sort of bring her back into reality, he bites her hand. But I reckon if, if the moth was right in this now, it, the doctor would probably lean in and kiss her. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah oh. so i'm thinking back then we're a bit more yeah there's there's all the flirty stuff at the end obviously but i don't know i could just imagine that if this was 
you know, perhaps a little bit further down the line, the doctor would end up kissing her and she'd suddenly wake up and, oh, yeah, my hand is real. And I don't know. But but in this one, the doctor just bites her hand, doesn't he? And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, see, now let's go. And yes, it's yep. much more fun. Exactly. It, yeah. Whereas yeah. if he'd have kissed her, it'd have been like, oh, groan for goodness sake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so, good. again, that's what I like about Serious Fight. It's a bit of flirty, but it's not... Wow, until the end, it doesn't go to the next level. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was going to be my final point, is that the the simplicity in the story and the script is what makes it a, a good watch because, like you said, if Moffat wrote this story towards the end of his of his era, then at that point there probably would have been a portal open and Rory would have stepped through. Yeah. And then he would have you know, said something to the Doctor that would have been a cryptic clue about what was coming up in the next episode and that would have, you know, done something to Amy and they would have carried her off the portal and then brought her back in five minutes later and she's like, two years ago, Amy doesn't know what's going on and then River turns up, another version of River, and then the crack in the wall swallows her and then something, yeah. else, you know what I mean? And it then just a would stone have... Dalek appears and then a, a, and a wooden <laughs> yeah. Cyberman and it's like, hey, it's all going on. Yeah, exactly, I know what you mean. It's, yeah. it's kept yeah. simple. Yeah, exactly. It would have been a convoluted mess of... <laughs> Of stuff so yeah I, I like that the the script is it's pretty sharp actually it's I, yeah it's I think a good, it's a good script. simple yeah. story yeah yeah um okay let's rattle through some characters then so uh we had a little guest uh cameo right at the beginning at the beginning from uh mike skinner who was the lead guy in the the old rap slash uh indie oh, yeah, sort of band, the streets yeah so he was in it briefly at the beginning he's the security guard that that River kisses with the hallucinogenic I it was lipstick. Him. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, I rec- I recognised it. it. Was like, oh, it's the guy from that that band. Yeah, but I couldn't streets, think of his name. Yeah, yeah, the streets, wasn't it? Yeah. What was their What was their big hit? Uh, <laughs> dry your eyes, <laughs> mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't think of the words. I I don't know. I wasn't. My mate's better than your mate. You know, I, don't... <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember it. But yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah, <laughs> little cameo. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't That's, really say if he was good or bad. Really, he was he was very good at playing the stunned. I've just been fooled by Doctor Song. Yeah, with the kissing thing. But well, nice of him to turn up and make a little <laughs> cameo. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, <laughs> obviously desperate to be in Doctor Who. I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, what did you think to the other soldiers in it then? So we had Marco, Bob, and Angelo, the the other cleric soldiers who were there to. You know, keep watch and make sure the angels don't get them and stuff. So they, yeah. yeah, didn't really do that well, did they? Let's be honest. No, they didn't do that well. No, I mean it's a bit part actors. I think they were pretty decent. Um, obviously, I liked Bob. Um, he's not in it very much though. But yeah, no, I thought they thought they were all right. Those guys. Yeah, they weren't too um, bad. There was one guy that I I, rem- I recognize him from something. The black guy who played, I think it might have been and. Uh, Oh yes, I recognised him as well, but I don't know what his name is. I, I've seen him in other something else as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I wondered if this was quite an early role for him. I was thinking, oh, he's got on to do other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they were okay though. They just got their yeah, asses kicked right, yeah. fairly quick, didn't they? Mm, pretty Listen, much yeah. like the other guys in part two. We get a couple more soldiers, and they pretty much have the same fate. Or is it those same guys? I can't remember. Uh, no, they've um, some other soldiers. So we have Pedro oh, and Philip, I think. Yeah. Where are you going? <laughs> that was yeah. great, that bit. Yeah. Um, okay, what about the uh, the top dude? What's his name? Octavian. Bishop. Bishop Octavian, yeah. Played by Ian Glenn. 
easy going. Yeah, I thought he was really good actually. I liked him. He he was um it's funny because the the relationship between him and the doctor ch- changes quite quick, doesn't it? I think at the start there's a bit of um respect. Like I think the doctor salutes him, which of course again for some reason Doctor Twelve, remember all that stuff about hating salutes and yep, yep. hating the army and all that. So a very different approach to the Doctor's attitude in this one. Um, so they start off with a bit of respect, and then I, I don't know if it's when Bishop has a go at Bob, but the Doctor seems to turn on him, doesn't he? So sort of about, oh, yeah. about twenty. So they, he don't know. The doctor seems to get a bit angry with Bishop um, halfway through the story, but I thought it was good. And then it's nice actually when we get that scene when poor old Bishop gets the angel around his throat and then there is a lovely scene between him and the doctor where the doctor can't save him um so yeah i thought he was good uh what's the actor's name ian glenn ian glenn yes. yeah good little performance from him i thought um yeah sometimes they if you're cast as a sort of sergeant major there's this habit of going over the top and being really shouty and all that sort of stuff but he was he got a good balance i think and was quite likable in the end when he sacrificed himself sort of thing Yes, I agree. And yeah. Ian Glenn has been up and down for me, so I'm glad that he's 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 good in this one. Oh right, was he? He's absolutely shockingly, terribly, very, very bad in the uh, film uh, Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. Oh dear, he plays one of the what's the secret society called? I don't know. I'm the, not, the triangle. Not into it. I, I can't remember. But yeah, he's absolutely dreadful in that um but i'm glad that he's good in this because it would have because he's quite a, a a pillar character i suppose in the story yeah. so no he was he was good in this one yeah yeah he's done quite a bit of work and i'm just looking at his uh mm. his cv on wiki he's been in loads game of thrones oh god is there anyone that isn't in game of thrones yeah <laughs> uh what are they the illuminati there we go there we are yeah and he's done quite a bit of tv work as well outside of doctor who quite a bit yeah, he has. Yes. Uh, he's Batman as well. I'm Batman. In Plays what? a very, very small part as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. There's a, a series on Netflix called Titans, which is a DC Comics thing. Oh, right. Okay. And he's in that very, very briefly. But yeah, I think he's most known for the Game of Thrones these days. But Well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, then what did you think do? Um, okay, Alex Kingston then, River Song. Well, I liked her in this, personally. I, I didn't think she was too bad, because there are times when River can get quite irritating. Um, can she? <laughs> no, I thought she was all right in this. I, I did like all the stuff at the start, where she's breaking out of the prison, and she's so full of herself. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I really enjoyed like her sort of chemistry with Matt. I thought it was a, sort of a good, good little performance from her. It's funny, because she does start to feel like a different character, to me from the river we saw in silence in the library and uh forest of the De- no what's it called forest of the dead is it yeah the, the library two parts yep. um yeah that performance she gives in that story with tenant i don't know it all always has felt like a slightly different version of river to what we've seen after and i can never quite pinpoint why and i think river does change a lot every time we see her actually uh, in terms of what's going on with her, one minute she's in an academy, and then she's trying to kill the doctor, and then she's doing it. So she's she's a very up and down character, um, but I don't know. She seems to play it a bit more serious in Science of the Library, if you know what I mean. Whereas this this one, she's a bit jokey and taking the Mickey out of the doctor, and she loves sort of you know having banter with Amy, which all about the doctor. So. Mm. But overall, I, yeah, I, I did like Alex Kingston in this. I thought it was, I, I did think she gave a good performance. I quite liked River in this one. 
compared to some of them. Yeah. yeah I get the I, feeling you didn't. <laughs> oh no, I didn't I didn't oh, did, oh. I didn't mind her. I think mm. I think as as Matt Smith's era progressed, I think I became just a bit bored with her. Oh, she did get boring. And I think if you think of Husbands of River Song, she's just firing out jokes left, right and centre and gets just, her character is just so annoying in some stories. But yeah. I think at least in this, she was sort of doing stuff and being quite intelligent and throwing a few bands around. So, yeah, yeah. I thought it was one of her better ones. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we were saying earlier about the scene at the end with Amy and the Doctor and she's all over him and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I, you get that feeling from River and the Doctor in some later mm. stories. I mean... Obviously, it's a different connection, the different characters. It's not, she's not a companion, is she? So it's, mm. and then they are man and wife at some point in their time stream. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a different thing. But I think in this one, she does, she is a bit flirty at times. There's a couple of little scenes where she's a bit flirty, but yeah, it, it's, it's not distasteful. It, it's like a fun, it's more of a fun sort of flirtiness that's not going to offend anybody really. Um, and I would say that if there was anything within the story that, because I said earlier that you don't have to have watched anything else in Doctor Who to get the story. Mm. I think if there was only one little tiny, little, tiny little nugget that may have confused, if if somebody was coming to Doctor Who brand new and this was their first couple of stories, they may have been slightly confused about where River fits into the bigger picture. Well, I'm still confused. Do, do you know I what still I mean? can't, yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I still can't work out River's <laughs> timeline. I really can't. Um, yeah, I, I do I do know what you mean, though. Um, yes, yeah. I think you could be. So I think her that. performance, I think Alex Kingston's performance was good. I think it wasn't mm-hmm. OTT. And I, th- I don't think it's her fault necessarily as we go through the rest of Doctor Who, because I think she was just written to be the same way all the time. She was mm. just written to be this flirty... She just shows up and you can't quite figure out her motives at first because she's acting on her instincts, on her relationship to the doctor. So yeah. because they're coming at each other from different uh, different directions on their time streams, aren't they? It's, it, it is confusing. It's something like she's the doctor's in her past, but River's in the doctor's future. And they're coming at each other from different directions or something. I'm just picturing them off with his <laughs> bottle of red wine. Yeah, now this, is, this is good stuff, this is. Yeah. He's yeah. got it all there on paper, there's scribbles, and it's all there. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's kind of maybe if you could see the moth's mind maps you know you could see how it all links together and visually if he had like a huge bunch of stuff over the dining room table and he's like right this is because of this and maybe you'd <laughs> when, get it when but... did he yeah i was gonna say when did he plot all this and do you think he, i mean i'd love to know how much he had in his mind when he wrote this for example because they bring in the whole stuff about she's killed a good man which we know goes on to what that goes on to be so so but where was did he have it all in his head at the start because i don't think he did i think he had a rough idea and then by the time we get to blimmin husbands of river song <laughs> when we finally sort of get some sort of rough conclusion to river it is just like all the stuff that happens between this story and that is unbelievable actually i mean it, surely he didn't have that all plotted out right from the start it just it just couldn't be could it all the no. her being a you know her being amy and rory's child and 
you know, killing the doctor. And it's just, I just don't know. I'd love to know how much I wish the moth would write a book. I know he says he's not going to, but I'd love to know how much he had it plotted out at this point. Cause he is throwing all the stuff, a few bits in there, isn't he? You know, he's already thinking, yeah, she's killed a good man. And, had he decided at that point it was going to be the doctor or, or someone so. else? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would be fascinating to see his early notes and his his process for how he was going to link with Riverin because she, like you know, lover or hater, she she is integral to some of the big story points throughout okay. Matt Smith's era. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. So I would say that yeah, Alex Kingston, she's she's she is good in this one. She's not particularly annoying. Mm-hmm. But if there was any little tiny nugget of newer viewers to Doctor Who thinking, what the frick is this all about? That this would be it. The little bit with River Song and trying to Yeah. Succinctly get across how she fits into the Doctor's life and time stream. But other than that, can't really complain. She's pretty good. Mm. I think she's pretty good, this yeah. one, yeah. Uh, and then Karen Gillan, as Amy we've already said, she's for the most part, she's she's good in this one. She plays being scared and and worried very well for the most part. Yeah, she's she's great in in sort of ninety percent of episode two, absolutely great. And it's not her. I guess say it's not really a th- it's not really um, her fault. Uh, you know, it's nothing to do with her acting. It's just that last scene is so cringy and awful in its writing. But um, but yeah, she she does give a, a good performance in this. I really do like her in this one. Yeah, yeah, yes. And then Matt Smith. Then we've already said that quite incredibly, as his first, you know, the the first yell of the word action for him as the doctor in this story it's uh it's great it's just great to see him just rocking and rolling immediately and it's it's almost like he before he even stepped on set or put a costume on he, he already had in his mind exactly who he wanted his version of the doctor to be because mm. as soon as he's on there and th- th- they're rocking and rolling he's bosh he's he's away He's, he's fantastic in it. He's, he's a superb lead in this story. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I honestly, I feel like if if I'd have been, if they had wrapped, if I'd have been there when they wrapped this story, and well, well, that's your first story in the can, Matt. I'd have gone up and just give him a bloody good pat on the back and say, "Blimey, neck, mate. Well done. You're going to be, you're going to do well in this part." <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it, you, you, he's just superb in it. I mean, that speech, just that speech at the end of episode one, when he's like, if there's one thing you never, ever put in a case, it's like, he is just, yeah. he's there from the word go. That man is in the doctor's shoes. Um, yeah, I just can't put it any better than that. I thought he was fantastic in it. He's funny, action, serious, moving, mm. everything. He's got yeah. it all. Yeah. I, can't, I honestly just can't believe it was his first story film. I think he's, yeah, just, I just want to give him a pat on the back. Well done, Matt. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah. And like I said, it's incredible that he's he's this much invested into his character that he knows exactly how he's going to play each scene and that little speech and, mm. and when he gets angry at River and all that stuff, he's just got it all going on. So, But yeah. the, his acting is, is, is of such a good level as well. Oh, I'm yeah. not just saying it's, it's, you know, it's not just, oh, he's giving good performance. His acting is just really good in it as well. Yeah, he's just he's bang on the money, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah really brilliant. bang on the money. Yeah. Okay, dokie. Uh, let's go on to scores. Unless there's anything else. Oh, there was one cool little thing that I loved, which I thought oh, was yeah. really good. It's only a tiny little thing, and that is the little gravity, um, the little gravity bomb thing, football thing that he kicks up into the sky oh, and yeah, lights yeah. up. Uh, one of those would be extremely handy 
in many situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I did love the effect and the, the visuals, you know, when it lights up and you see all of the, the maze and the, the oh, corridors yes. and stuff. It's, it, it's not a groundbreaking CG, but it, it holds up fairly well. I was going to yeah. say, actually, that was, yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's one thing I was going to ask you is how you felt visually it held up. Because I thought, I thought all the stuff on location looked beautiful with the TARDIS on the rock, quite simple stuff. But I thought the direction was excellent in this. Who was the director? Adam somebody. Adam Smith. Adam Smith. Yeah, um, yeah I thought direction was very good. I thought the episode looked really good. Um, so it's nine years old now. And some of the CG, yeah, maybe a little dated. But I thought, like you said, I thought it held up. It, it holds its own and uh, the way it's shot and the forest stuff great use of lighting isn't there in the forest i mean yeah i assume that's a real forest is it or i is think it a set? so it looked like a real it looked like a real forest, forest yeah. and it was but it was brilliantly lit um mm. so yeah really i think it looked it looked good this episode as well yeah, yeah. he's a good director actually he hasn't really done much no out there to be honest with you um the other one was the 11th hour which is another really good oh did he direct that yeah another good okay. doctor who story Interesting. but he's only done those three and then he kind of stopped directing a couple of years ago. So he hasn't really done oh. a great deal. But uh, yeah, he's good. Really good director. Yeah, I must admit, when the name come up, I was like, oh, don't, you know, sometimes the name comes up like Eurus Lynn or someone like that. And you think, oh, yeah, Eurus Lynn's back. Uh, but, but I didn't, when his name came up, I was like, Adam Smith? Uh, I didn't recognize his name. But I, I, yeah, I thought direction was really good. Yeah, And the CG of this crashed spaceship and that, I mean, it looked, it looked decent. It didn't look bad. I mean, it, it could, could probably be done better now, but it, it it was good enough, I think, for the time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Rightio, then. I, you can go first, buddy, because I, I had to go first, obviously, yeah. <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah. you were sunbathing somewhere. So, mm. right, <laughs> Adam, <only. laughs> you're, you're up. What, what have you got? So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. Um, I, I pretty much rated both parts 8. I think... It's a funny one for me because I sort of enjoyed the first part more. So I probably rated the first part eight, seven, and the second part 7.5, mainly because of the ending. It just kind of left me a little bit, um, yeah, that ending. But overall, I think it's a good one. So eight out of ten for this two-parter. Uh, nice one. I'm up there with you, buddy. Ano- yeah, oh, ano- cool. Another time that we, uh, that we quite often uh, match on our scores. But uh, I rated episode uh, two as a 8.5. Uh, episode one as a seven. Oh, so you actually enjoyed the second part more. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. I would say that averages out to, let's just say an eight. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of eights. Pretty good. That's pretty good, isn't it? Indeedy. Uh, we had our lovely listeners throw in some reviews as always. We've got some audio clips in, which is great. So let's kick off uh, with Sammy from Down Under. Hey Gary and Adam Sammy Satine here. So, the time of Angel's Flesh and Stone. Well, there's some different ideas here. Angel Bob, the Cyborg Trees, the Soldier Priest, etc. I like Father Octavian. River is good when she's not flirting with the Doctor. My biggest problem with the story, the whole thing could have solved itself without help from the Doctor. The ship would have blown up and the angels would have fallen through the crack in time. Mary Gold plays I Am the Doctor twice within the space of a few minutes at the end of Time of Angels, which is annoying. Why do the angels not displace the clerics, the Doctor, or Father Octavian time when they touch them? The scene at the end between Amy and the Doctor is all kinds of wrong. I give it six soldier priests out of ten. For the good ideas and the good characters. See ya. 
A six. Six out of ten. It's like I'll tell you what happened with that theme. It's like when you when you hear a song on the radio and you love it and you and you download it and you play it to death. And then about four months later you're like, Oh, I can't listen to that song again. But you've played it constantly. So that's what happens. They got that theme. This is brilliant. Let's yeah, put that theme in again. That is such a good thing. And then everyone got sick of it. I know it was my ringtone for ages as well. I love it though. I love that. It is a great piece of music, but you need to have a rest. You can't have it in every five minutes in the episode. You do. Like the doctor turns on a light. Doctor picks up a pen. Doctor gets a cup of tea. Just can't have it. You just can't have it. Thank you very much, Sammy. Some good points there. You rattled through that. She had to obviously. She was trying to keep it under the. I could tell. She's trying to keep it under the minute. Yeah, very, very cool. Thank you, Sam. This is Matt Steele. Hello, Gary Allen. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys well had a good week. So this week, time of the angels, flesh and stone. Yeah, what a cracker this is from series five. The tenth Doctor's TARDIS was the actual TARDIS shown just before the uh, title sequence, not the eleventh. Alex Kingston gives a really good performance in this story. I thought Murray's music is incredible throughout. Really creepy. The angels uh, are very terrifying in this story, which is a change from, you know, having them pop up every two seconds in future episodes, Moffat. Um, is it just me, or did the door to the forest seem a little wobbly? The CGI of the angels moving in on Amy was really well done. The angels being sucked into the crack is reminiscent of Doomsday, you know, with the Doctor and Rose having to hold on to not get sucked into the void. Matt Smith gives a really cracking performance yet again as a Doctor. Is there anything that man can't do? Um, I don't like Amy throwing herself at the Doctor mind. I think that's unnecessary and pointless. And why does Matt's hair keep changing? Anyway, guys, have a good week. I give this an 8.5 out of 10, and I'll see you again. Thank you very much, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Yeah, I spotted that TARDIS was wrong at the start. It was a, the wrong shade of blue, and it didn't have the St. John. Yeah, it's probably because it's, yeah, the first episode of production, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, somebody so forgot to build the new one. For the start yeah. of the series recording. Where's that new TARDIS? Oh, God. I'll bung that one in. They won't notice, of course. We notice everything. We notice everything. What are you talking about? <laughs> I imagine that conversation would have happened, you know, joking aside. Yeah. Like, where's the new TARDIS? And all the carpenters and builders sort of look at one another. <sighs> like, I thought you were doing that bit. No. And then they said, well, we've got no choice. We have to use that one. The moth just put his face in his hands like, they're all going to notice. They're all going to notice. We have to take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you very much matt yes and matt's hair yeah i think um it goes some scenes it's it's nicely combed into a side part and then it's all quaffed and looks nice and other scenes it's all over the place so i know what you mean it's uh, yeah yes anyway thank you very much and lastly this is luke malloy hello gary and adam of the big blue box podcast it's luke malloy and thank god you've picked a belter for this week i love time of angels flesh and stone it's probably the best thriller in all of doctor Who history it just doesn't stop when it's when it starts the spaceship crashing the angel rescue mission the two-headed revelation which has got to be on the most cleverest cliffhangers in doctor Who history uh, it's just bristling with ideas it goes to a forest on a spaceship it is brilliant matt smith is 
awesome in it, considering it was his first episode in the role. Uh, he gets that brilliant line, the gravity of the situation. Uh, I love how the cracking time arc comes into play so early and is used to actually defeat the angels. It's just so clever. It's full of ideas. River Song's probably at best and most mysterious here. Heck, I even like the end scene. I think it's really funny. Um, it, it is a bit weird, but it, it's really funny. Um, for me, this is the thriller you need to watch. It's uh, 10 out of 10. Thanks again. 10 out of 10. I think Luke liked this one. Crikey Moses. <laughs> he even likes the scene at the end. Oh, you and the moth, Luke. You and the moth. Well, if you like it, Luke, you like it, mate. That's all yeah, good. Yeah, no, that's cool. 10 out of 10, very cool. Uh, thank you very much for the audio clips, guys. We had a, a few comments over on uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, very quickly. Electorald, Electorald, yeah, I think it says, uh, the return of the angels is pointless and unnecessary. <gasps> River Song is an annoying character who keeps taking me out of the story with her flirtatious personality and unfunny attempts at humour, and the kiss at the end was forced <laughs> and stupid. This story is dull and confusing, a two out of ten. Oh my word, Electra. Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, says perhaps the last time the Weeping Angels were scary before they got overused. Uh, considering it was the first story Matt Smith filmed, the main cast are excellent. There were some really tense scenes throughout. It's a shame it all got ruined by the kiss at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Sebling, I surprisingly love this two-parter. It's fun. It keeps you engaged. And I don't mind River in this one. It gives it an 8.5. Jack the Hoovenier says Series 5 is my all-time favourite. And this two-parter is one of the reasons why I love it so much. It gives it a 9.5. Mm. Uh, our buddies over at Prog to Who podcast oh what they got to say uh, it says I love series 5 and in particular I love this story uh, probably the best of the season and maybe the the best Matt Smith story uh, ironically it's the first story they filmed with him in the lead role it was all downhill from here uh, oh, a very dear. strong <laughs> a, a very strong 9 out of 10 excellent doctor That'll be Mark. That'll Cheers, be Mark. Mark. Uh, and uh, lastly, Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian, uh, fabulous two-parter, Matt Smith at his best, a nine out of ten. Cheers, Louise. I think she did. You have a little injury, Louise, this week. Did I see on Twitter? I was flicking through, and if you did, hope you're better. If you didn't, hope you're good. <laughs> I'm sure I saw something on Twitter about Louise. Uh, anyway, I hope you're good, Louise. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're good, Louise. Uh, and uh, over on Facebook, we had a few there. Jeff Waddle says my absolute favourite story of New Who. All the more amazing because this was one of the first they filmed. Matt Smith has never been better. Just the right mix of thrills, scares and laughs. Although the Weeping Angels have a much different motive here than their original appearance, they've never been better. And Ian Glenn is outstanding as the military clergyman. Outstanding 10 out of 10. Wowzers, Jeff. Yes, Charlie Turner, a great two-part. Nice to see the Weeping Angels again after Series 3. This is my favourite appearance of the Lonely Assassins, and I think that they work better with Matt Smith than David Tennant, despite mm. Blink being one of my favourite episodes of Series 3. Goes on to give it an 8 out of 10. And lastly, Joseph Howarth. This honestly is a brilliant sequel to Blink. I feel like they've got the right mixture of comedy, horror, and action in the one in this one down uh, to a tie. Uh, if this was the last time we ever saw the Weeping Angels in Moff's era, it would have been content... Uh, with just this two-parter. I still can't stand River, though. They made her more of a caricature as the series went on. It goes on to give it a 9 out of 10. Yes, caricature. That's I, I know exactly what you mean. I think that's what I was trying to get to earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of get that. Yeah. Mm. know what you mean. Uh, so, some, I would say, yeah, mainly positive scores for this one. There was a couple of little twos and uh, uh, threes. But overall, well, we've actually got some 10 out of 10s. 
Yeah, and Jeff's one of them, and we know how hard to please Jeff is. Oh, Jeff, yeah. So it must be good. I was just looking to see if we do if we reviewed um the Manhattan one because I don't think we have. We have, have we? not. No, we have not. So we. No, we haven't. We. I think. Are you are you thinking of um, uh, the Angels take Manhattan? Yeah, we haven't. Yeah. That's the last Rory and Amy one, isn't it? Yeah, we haven't done that one yet. We haven't done that. No. 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 So, yes. uh, that's for a future for a future yes so next week buddy what have we got then so next week we're back to sarah jane yay sarah jane and um i have i can't find the title but is it called prisoners of the jadoon <laughs> you can't find a title <laughs> i'll tell you what's happened is i've clicked <laughs> on the schedule to find out if we've reviewed the, uh, the manhattan story and i've lost the 2019 schedule <laughs> so i can't see the title <laughs> prisoner of the jadoon J- Prisoner of the Jadoon. There we go. Yeah, I had it there. I've had it there the entire time we've recorded in front of me, and I chose now to shut the screen. <laughs> so, yeah, the, yeah. The first episode of series three. Fantastic. Yeah. So that should be good one. Well, as you guys know, we'd absolutely love doing SJA these days. So um, yeah, we good to get back to that. So we'll send uh, the usual social posts out uh, early next week, asking for your thoughts and and all that jazz. But yeah. Back to Sarah Jane, dude. Should be good. Yeah, I am looking forward to that, and it's quite fitting, isn't it? Having a Jadoon story uh, with the recent news. So yeah, yeah, it's all good. Let's see how those guys fare against Sarah Jane. Indeedy. And yeah, I think we'll do there, buddy. For two, three, four. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us through episode 234. Still very light, as you guys come to expect these days, in between no new Doctor Who on the TV, so we're light on news and merch, but the uh, the very um, uh, sad news um, of Stephen Thorne passing away uh, earlier uh, at the age of 84. Very, very sad. Um, but we did get onto some really good positive stuff with our review of um, the Time of the Angels and Flesh and Stone, the cracking Uh, 11th Doctor two-parter so that's all good Uh, thank you very much for sending in your audio clips and reviews always much appreciated love you guys giving your thoughts and reviews on that stuff all good Uh, next week uh, for 235 it will be Prisoner of the Jadoon the Sarah Jane Adventures story so get your DVDs watch for that because we'll be asking for your thoughts on that too in the meantime, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can link off to all the various podcast networks so you can give us a, a subscribe if you feel like you want to. If you subscribe, then you'll never miss a show as it lands in your list uh, every Friday morning. There's also buttons there to go off to the various social networks. We're on there as well, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, give us a like and a follow there because we, uh, we chat some Doctor Who during the week there too. Remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, Geek's Handbag. The old Geek's Handbag. Over on YouTube, go and, go and give... What's inside the old Geek's Handbag? What's in the old bag? What's in there? <laughs> go and give Adam a, a, a subscribe over there and check out uh, all of his videos. Really, really cool stuff. Uh, caters for all of your geek slash nerd slash Doctor Who slash review unboxing blah, blah, blah <laughs> needs. Just so many cool videos over there. And Adam's also on all the usual social stuff. 
Twitter, Facebook and Instagram under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So uh, go and give Adam a, a follow in there as well and join the community and, and all the chat and all the rest of it that goes on uh, each and every week. Indeed. Indeedy. Until next week for 235. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Eh... 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 Eh...